0: Today is June 21st, 2021. In our first story, hundreds of Black Lives Matter looters and rioters had their charges dropped in New York, leaving many liberals outraged over crime, many of which are fleeing blue cities and states to red states, and then voting Democrats, spreading the problems. In our next story, the founder of a Democrat PAC says it would be okay if a white person who was trolling A black neighborhood was dragged out of his car and executed. The only problem is it was actually a Puerto Rican guy, and this dude's pretty much insane. In our next story, a pride event in Seattle is charging white people reparations to attend, and that's probably illegal and racist. Well, it's definitely racist. If you like this show, please leave a good review and give us five stars. If you really like the show, please share it with your friends to help us grow it. Now, let's get into that first story. Democrats keep demanding justice for what happened on January 6th at the Capitol. They call it an insurrection and they immediately called it an insurrection. It was a riot. It was kind of bad in some places, but they're acting like it was literally an insurrection. But where are the advocates for the people whose lives have been destroyed, whose businesses and dreams have been completely destroyed by the other insurrection? I'm talking about the ongoing riots and looting that are still affecting the entirety of this country. Now, of course, the riots were substantially worse a year ago. They're not nearly as bad now when they do pop up. It's more like it used to be ongoing antifa violence. We still see protests. We still see chaos in the streets. But last year was pretty bad. We saw bodegas, you know, little corner stores, mom and pop shops completely destroyed in cities across the country. And since then, we have seen progressive district attorneys keep cutting loose the criminals who committed these crimes. Where are the advocates on the right? Oh, I know, I know. They're commentators. They're people who are challenging the Democrats on YouTube and Twitter. Where are the Republicans? Why don't the Republicans come out and say insurrection, insurrection, insurrection? They don't. They're not fighting. They're sitting on their hands for the most part. Meanwhile, the people in these big cities suffer, and these big cities keep, well, making it worse for themselves. They keep voting in progressive district attorneys who then cut loose violent criminals who destroy property, creating a never ending cycle of violence, crime and poverty. The problem for the rest of us? Well, by all means, go and vote for whatever you want in your own city. The problem arises then when people start fleeing these cities because they've become unsalvageable, coming into suburbs and red states and then thinking they're being reasonable by voting for the exact same things that led to these problems. Although New York is now well aware of how much damage was caused by their riots, they started cutting loose the rioters and looters, saying either they don't have enough evidence, or unfortunately, they're just completely overwhelmed. But think about what that means. If New York can't prosecute those who are destroying businesses because they're overwhelmed, the system has collapsed. And like San Francisco, it's only a matter of time before people realize I can do whatever I want. Cops can't stop me. DAs can't stop me. The system is broken. And that's bad news for the regular working class people who don't want to be victimized. The problem for the people in these cities, they're going to vote for more Democrats. That's right. Even though crime has now become the number one issue in New York, it is still projected that a Democrat will win the mayoral race. Bravo. You know, it's uh, you keep putting your hand in the fire and thinking it's eventually it's not going to burn you. But, uh... It is now we're seeing this exodus from New York and many other big cities. People are coming to red states, bringing these policies with them. Now, to be fair, they're not coming in and saying, I want more crime. They're coming in and saying, I'm going to vote Democrat because the, the, the Democrats here are more moderate. But that's just opening the door to bring about the exact same problems we saw in those cities. The cities are becoming bad. And I got to say, it's just objectively a problem of Democrat policies, because when you look at the top crime rates per capita, Republican cities ain't there. I'm talking about per capita. Take a look at what's happening across the country under Biden economics and Biden inflation. Mass shortages of labor, shortages of supplies, shortages of food. And it's only getting worse. Now we got a story out of Colorado. Gas stations are running dry. Why? Because people keep voting for the same thing. When someone comes up to you and says, we're going to help you and do all this great stuff, and then they loot your city and you go, I'll try voting for a different Democrat next time. Eventually you need to realize (laughs) it ain't working. I'm not saying you should go and vote Republican. Uh, They're not doing anything either. They sit back and watch with their feet up while Democrats destroy everything else. So I don't, I'm sorry, man. Look, Maybe the reality is there's just no real solution to this and the problems will just persist because it's not an aspect of politics necessarily, but of culture, which is why maybe when you start talking about what we're going to do instead of what we oppose. But for, for, for the time being, this channel, of course, is your news commentary and criticism channel. So let's see what's going on in New York and why they're cutting loose all of these rioters and looters and what that means for the rest of us before we get started. Head over to timcast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members only segments from the Timcast IRL podcast. But we have also just launched a newsroom with a ton of really amazing articles. We are bringing on a new mysteries and unexplained writer who's going to do long form pieces. And of course, we have Cassandra Fairbanks leading the charge with our general news vertical. If you want to support this, fearless journalism and even some on the ground independent reporting become a member to support timcast.com but don't forget to like this video subscribe to this channel and if you think the work i do is better than say cnn please share this video right now take that url paste it on facebook twitter wherever and share it with all your friends and say check out what's happening in these places cuz i'm going to break it down for you i'm going to show you what's happening in the in the new york city mayoral race and talk about the mass exodus from these cities to maybe where you live. The New York Post reports charges against hundreds of NYC rioters looters have been dropped. They say in the Bronx, which saw fires in the streets and mass looting in June 2020. More than 60% of the of Arrestes have had charges dropped, according to the investigation by NBC New York, 73 of the 118 people arrested in the borough had their cases shelved altogether. Another 19 were convicted on lesser counts like trespassing, which carries no jail time. 18 cases remain open with NBC not accounting for the other 8 arrests," quote. "Those numbers, to be honest with you, is disgusting," Jessica Bettencourt, who owns a Bronx eyeglass store that was looted and is vice president of a local restaurant local merchants association told NBC. "I was in total shock that everything is being brushed off to the side. I'm not Because I've been warning about this for the past two, three years. They keep doing it. They keep taking these criminals that are caught in the act and saying, "Eh, free to go. But by all means, Republicans keep saying back the blue in places like New York City, where they will gleefully shut down your church, your religious ceremonies, steal taxpayer dollars to paint political slogans in the street and arrest people who protest it while allowing looters to destroy the lives of the working class. Thanks, officer. they go going to say they could do it again because they know they won't get the right punishment, she added, of the rioters who again left the Bronx, Bronx burning in Manhattan where looters ran rampant across, across Soho and Midtown. 222 of those arrested had their cases completely dropped while 73 got lesser counts. Of the 485 people busted in the borough, 128 have opened criminal court cases while 40 juvenile defendants had their cases moved to family court. Another 40 cases with juvenile defendants were sent to family court. Sources in the DA's offices insisted that in many of the cases, the evidence was not strong enough to secure a conviction. The offices are also swamped with a backlog of cases created by the court's prolonged closure during the COVID-19 pandemic. Patrice O'Shaughnessy, a spokeswoman for for the Bronx DA's office, provided differing information than the NBC report. She said there were 90 total arrests on felony and misdemeanor charges, stemming from the riots on June 1st and 2nd last year, and 28 were outright dismissals, accounting for about 31%. 14 cases were resolved with what's known as adjournment in contemplation of dismissal, meaning charges get tossed if the defendant stays out of trouble for six months or completes community service. The remainder of the cases were either resolved with a guilty plea or conditional discharge or are still pending, according to O'Shaughnessy. Quote, we went forward with cases for which we had evidence and a complaining witness. Some cases were dismissed, but we held people accountable because we do not tolerate violence against Bronx business owners. Apparently they do. Apparently they do. Well, I get it. They're overwhelmed. Fine. I get it. Some of these cases, not enough evidence. Okay. They're telling you right now. The system is broken. What you in this city have voted for over the past decade, two decades, has completely shattered what's happening in this city. Now, maybe that's a bit too far, though. Maybe the real problem is culture. For too long, people like me, people like maybe you, have talked about what we're against, but not what we're for. And even then, have we done things to inspire certain kind of ideologies or behavior? I think the answer is We haven't. And it's resulted in people mostly saying, just leave me alone and do your thing. Eventually, people say no. Then what happens? Well, the cops say the same thing. Hey, leave me alone and do your thing. Eventually, people are going around smashing up your businesses, causing suffering for small businesses, and the cops are saying, I'm not getting involved. Did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? So we have a violent extremist group that's going around providing cover for looters and rioters to harm regular working class people. The media, of course, covers this all up, not like a conspiracy or anything. They just want to defend their ideology. They want to pretend to be on the right side of history, as they say. So, of course, they can't criticize Black Lives Matter. They'll lose their jobs because it ain't Trump supporters that are showing up and attacking people. It ain't Trump supporters showing up shattering windows. It's not Republicans. It's not conservatives. It's not right wing populists. It's not libertarians. It is leftists, people who hate the Democratic Party for the most part, but still go and vote for them. And then the useful idiots, the regular people who don't pay attention, who are uninitiated, who don't know anything about Trump, but hate his guts anyway, because they watch CNN all day, decide I'm going to move out of New York and I'm going to move to where you live. And vote for these people to come in and smashy, smashy. And that's what, that's what keeps happening. Who helped these in the Bronx? Small business owners reel from night of looting and vandalism. It's from June of last year. Who helped these people? Who came in? Probably a lot of conservative GoFundMes for sure. Or not GoFundMe, give, send, go, I guess, because GoFundMe bans people. And now what do we get? Well, here it is. From Fox 5, New York. Crime is a top issue as early voting in NYC mayoral primaries begins Saturday. So it's, it's happening. Published June 11th. It is absolutely happening. And uh, although crime is the top issue, it's still extremely likely it will be a Democrat that will win. Over the Daily Mail, they say, horrifying moment a volunteer for NYC mayoral candidate Eric Adams is repeatedly stabbed with an ice pick on the street and left with a punctured lung in South Bronx as city's crime continues to spiral. This is, this is a horrifying story, man. I hope this dude's all right. He's just out here campaigning for this guy, Eric Adams. Eric Adams wants to be president. I mean, wants to be mayor. Sorry, not president. He wants to be mayor. This dude's working with them. Somebody shows up and stabs the dude. They say a 42-year-old volunteer for the Eric Adams campaign was stabbed multiple times in the Bronx on Sunday afternoon. The unnamed victim was canvassing through the neighborhood when two men approached and one of them stabbed the volunteer. Why? A knife and an ice pick were covered at the scene. Police are unsure of the motive, but note the attack was caught on video. Adams is the current front-runner in the Democrat field ahead of Tuesday's mayoral primary, which is likely to decide the next mayor of New York City. The former cop has vowed to crack down on worsening NYC crime rates, but claims he can do so while reforming the city's police department. Oh, spare me. Just say you're going to stop this. Who weren't these dudes just walked up and ice picked a guy, man? Who wants to live in New York City? And then lies the big problem. The problem isn't just that liberals flee these places, it's that moderates do, conservatives do. That's right. I think around twenty percent of New York is conservatives, maybe a little bit more actually, of the city proper. Well, when crime gets bad, they say, I ain't living here. We can't reform this place. It is overwhelmingly Democrat, so they leave. All that means is that Democrats retain then a stronger majority. So you heard it right here from Daily Mail. Adams is the front runner in the Democrat primary, which means he's likely to be the next mayor. Because they know people in New York don't know, don't care, will just look in the box for the D and say, i vote for that one. We we've talked about this on the IRL podcast, maybe removing Democrat and Republican from ballots. So you just see a list of names. I think that would make sense because what's happening now is people are just looking for the D or the R and then voting for it. And I'm like, dude. If you don't know what you're voting for, y'all should not be voting. Can you imagine this? People just walk in and they're like, uh, Democrat. There it is. Seriously? What if the guy turns out to be like a lunatic who just claims to be a Democrat? This happened in, I think, in New Hampshire. A trans-Satanist anarchist ran as a Republican actually won the primary because people were just like, I'll vote for that. Do you know anything about this individual's policy positions? Oh, but they got really angry when they found out they voted for this person because they don't agree ideologically. Well, it's your fault. Sorry, you put your name behind them. Stop voting for people based on party and vote for people who will do something about this. But here's the problem. Even this Eric Adams guy is saying he's going to try, he's going to crack down but try to reform the police department. Okay, for the most part I can respect that, but just be strong. Just say no, we will not stand for this. We will not accept this crime and we will bring about change. Crime could come from anyone. It could be a bad cop. It could be a criminal. But guess what? Almost always going to be the criminal. Now, can we reform things? You bet. We're going to make sure we fix the system and do it right. So I can respect his statement, but just be strong for once, please. Fortunately, that's not what we get from Democrats because they're scared. If they lose the progressive vote, they lose. Well, in an op-ed for the New York Post, Nicole Galinas says, NYC progressives are going to lose the Democratic primary to soaring crime. A correct assessment, in my opinion. But who knows? We'll see. You see, there's, there's a, a ranked choice system in New York. So there's concern that people will just say, OK, the progressives will probably lose. But I'll say progressive, my number one choice, followed by moderates. And then what happens is if the progressive doesn't get enough votes, it moves to the next candidate. So there's no fear in voting for the progressive from the left. So the progressives very well well may win. Don't get me wrong, there are Republicans. In this story from Just the News, Guardian Angels founder Sliwa, one of two Republicans in NYC mayor primary with crime as the top issue. Just the News says, the top GOP candidate in Tuesday's closely watched New New York City mayoral primary is Guardian Angels founder Curtis Sliwa, whose decades long get tough on crime platform, appears to be getting little traction with crime worried voters in the largely liberal city. Sliwa started what eventually became the Red Beret wearing uh, Angels Brigade in 1977 in an effort to rid the city's subwisdom of crime. Now, despite crime being up roughly 22% in New York City, compared to this time last year, Sliwa is still far behind in the polls. In a so-called ranked choice election, in which the top four candidates, regardless of party advance, shootings are up 73% over the same period, according to the New York Police Department statistics. The 67-year-old Sliwa is running on refunding the police. That includes calling for 5,000 more police officers to protect residents in the city's five boroughs, according to the New York Times. Democratic candidates lead the field with former New York City Department Captain Eric Adams in the lead, with former 2020 presidential candidate Andrew Yang and Catherine Garcia running close second. The other GOP candidate is in Tuesday's races, Fernando Mateo, a local restaurateur who is also focused on crime, including overturning bail reform and starting a program, Alpha Tracker, that attempts to keep students out of trouble by giving them jobs. The city's last GOP mayors were Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg, now a Democrat. So can they win? Yeah, maybe. This is an important race. If the people of New York reject party and say, we're going to try the Republicans, it is, it's good news. It means that regular people are willing to say enough of this. Let's try something different. Let's try to actually get tough on crime. Rudy Giuliani uh, and Bloomberg, my understanding, were uh, particularly tough on crime, but it's only eroded since then. And so I can only attribute some of their policies to what we're currently seeing now. But for the most part, it's probably Bill de Blasio. And don't forget the federal level, too. A lot of crime is born of of poverty, and we can thank Joe Biden for a lot of that poverty. Now. Here's what you have to look forward to, because I can already hear many people saying, yo, I don't live in New York City. I don't care. Sure. In 2018, The Hill published this op-ed, The Great Exodus Out of America's Blue Cities. Am I the only one in my spinning class at Equinox in Manhattan who's fed up paying $200 every month for a gym with clean showers, $3,000 a month in rent? for an apartment without cockroaches and $8 every morning for coffee? Am I the only one moving through the greater part of New York City boroughs and seeing an inexorable march of urban decay matched with the discomfort of crowding and inexplicable costs? I know I'm not. New York is one of the most expensive, is, is, is the most expensive city in America. Its lower cost neighborhoods are riddled with crime and homelessness. Its public schools, some of which are among the worst in the nation, look more like prisons than places of learning. With between up to 50% of their paycheck going to a combination of federal, local, and city taxes, not including other consumer taxes baked into every aspect of their consumer practices, residents don't even have the comfort of knowing that their tax expenditures are going to to the comfort, I'm sorry, going to the improvement of their lives in the city. New York infamously misuses the hard-earned tax revenue of its citizens in ways that scarcely benefit them. Eventually, city and state taxes, fees, and regulations become so burdensome that people and corporations jump ship. More people are currently fleeing New York, New York than any other metropolitan area in the nation. More than 1 million people have moved out of New York City's metro since 2010 in search of greener pastures, which amounts to a, net, to a, net, uh, to a net negative net migration rate of 4.4%. But this, my friends, was in 2018. In 2020, the coming blue city exodus, another op-ed from Hill. The sentiment has been expanding. And I'm showing you this in 2018, in 2020. It just keeps happening. More and more reasons to flee these cities. And you know, they're going to come to where you live. And then one day you're going to be sitting in your PTA meeting, and you're going to be talking about what kind of values that should should be instilled in your children, when all of a sudden you're going to see someone raise their hand and say, what are you doing to teach your children about systemic racism and about how police are evil white supremacists? And then they're going to you're going to see the, the, the panel, the board members go, we are we are going to be incorporating this. We are we're absolutely you may be shocked. It's happening even in West Virginia. And you'll say, whoa, 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 whoa why who is who is this person? They don't represent us. Here's the problem. The looters, the rioters. You see, the right doesn't have many, if any. The left has many, if not all of them, for most, almost all of them. So these PTA members, these board members, these local city councils, they're scared. How are they going to handle a riot from Antifa or looting from Black Lives Matter? They're not. So they'll just say, fine, fine, we'll give you your, your, your anti-racism, which of course just means racial discrimination. And then you'll be wondering where, wondering where these people came from. Now, these people will come to you and say, we don't like riots. We, 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 don't, we, we don't want uh, cities to burn down. We just want people to understand historical racism. No leftist wants a riot. But then they argue about the police. They say we should defund them because they're bigots. Then without a strong police force, the system begins to collapse. This is what happens when people keep voting for Democrats. You look at red areas, ain't so bad. Now, the Democrats like to push this line about how they're funding the red states. I don't think any conservative really cares Sure, there are a lot of poor white people in rural areas. They need help for sure. But I think for the most part, people who are in the middle of nowhere and more self-reliant don't care all that much. They would rather just see the blue states stop corrupting everything. But that's what's happening. And as more and more people keep voting for this, we get the obvious outcome. I saw this story. Shocking. Yes, some gas stations are out of gas. No, you don't need to go fill up because of that. Here's why. Okay, wait, what? Why are these gas stations out of gas in Colorado? That's kind of weird, right? Well, under Trump, we were energy independent. And then Biden gets in and shuts down Keystone. Then we get the Colonial Pipeline hack and we start seeing gas shortages. The federal government keeps saying there's no gas shortage. I guess maybe in some technical sense, there's no gas shortage like we have reserves. But uh, if your local area gas stations are empty, you have a gas shortage. Why is there a new story right now? What is this? It's from yesterday, updated this morning. Why are gas stations out of gas? They're saying it's not, it's not a shortage, but it basically goes on to just say, don't go. The cycle repeats itself. People rush in and they all start buying. There's plenty of gas in the system, plenty of fuel. It's just taken a bit longer to get that fuel to stations. If you need gas, you can get it. There's no reason to go out and buy gas if you don't need it. Now, I'll tell you this. Don't be one of these morons who goes with like a 300-gallon plastic drum and fills it up. I saw a video of a guy who lined his pickup truck bed with like a tarp and then filled it with gas. And then he's driving around, the gas just sloshing around. This is insane. Do not do that. You must use an approved canister. I don't think you need to run out full speed to go buy gas, but I'm pointing out, things are bad right now. I don't understand what's happening. There's no truck drivers. There's no fuel. What is it? I hear from truckers. There are plenty of truckers. Then what, 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 what's going on? More and more people fleeing these states. This is just a repeat of the story I already showed you. Labor shortages. Truckers are getting six-figure salaries as food suppliers scramble to find drivers, and it's pushing up the price of fryer oil and chocolate by as much as fifty percent. Let me let me let me look this together for you to help you explain what's happening. There is a complete collapse of the economy. Maybe, uh, maybe I shouldn't say complete, but I'll say this. The economy is collapsing in slow motion. And it's because of people like Joe Biden. And it's because of Democrat policies. So they go to these cities, they vote. Legal system starts to break down. We're overwhelmed. We can't prosecute the looters in San Francisco. We can't stop all the shoplifters. So the shoplifters know they can just go in and do whatever they want. People then keep voting for Democrats. And at a certain point, you need to just stop Again, I'm not saying vote for a Republican, but I'm definitely saying don't vote for a Democrat. I'll probably end up voting libertarian come 20, you know, 2022 or 2024. We'll see. Depends on if the Republicans are actually good, but I don't think they are. They don't really do anything either. So this is the problem we're trapped in. Republicans who sit on their hands, Republicans who in many places can't get elected, even if they tried, and Democrats who just keep burning everything down. And if you just watch the mainstream media, what do you get? insane lies and manipulations. Sure. Eric Adams in New York, he may be the tough on crime guy. He's not. Look at this from the New York Times. Adams basically insists his rivals are trying to suppress black people's votes. Yeah, there you go. This guy goes on. I think it was on CNN, right? Did they say you went on CNN? This guy, he goes on CNN's New Day and Fox 5's Good Day, New York. He basically said that because Andrew Yang and Catherine Garcia are campaigning together on Juneteenth, it's sending the wrong signal. And that is how many of the African, African-American Hispanic candidates feel after they saw it. Ah, there it is. Andrew Yang. He's racist. You want to vote for that guy? Man, is that the best we can get? Now that Sliwa guy, he's like, tough on crime, recruit more cops. I'm like, all right. Are people going to vote for him? Probably not. Probably should vote for him, though. I mean, if you live in this place, vote for the guy who's going to be tough on crime, not the guy who's like blaming wokeness for his problems. But I see all of these things tied together. I see crime. I see Democrat policy. I see media. I see culture. And I do think culture is the the root of this. Obviously, politics is downstream from culture, something most of you know. And Conservatives need to get on that culture train, making fun things and inspiring people and, and shaping that culture. For too long, they haven't. So what ends up happening is the rioters and looters come out. We've glorified rebellious messages and anti-cop messages. We've made ACAB a cool slogan. And I mean, I mean, we as in the United States, obviously many of us oppose the idea of ACAB. It's an absolutist and absurd statement. There are a lot of problems with cops, but every single one? Nah, not all of them. Maybe a lot of them. Maybe at this point, most of them. But what do we see now? In New York, many of these looters were juveniles, many of the rioters, juveniles, because they're young people absorbing this culture from TV, telling them to smash and destroy it and burn it down. And that's what's going to happen. You take a look at Nickelodeon doing these shows. You take a look at with, the, with the, 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 the red salute, the Marxist fist, the communist fist. You do the same thing with Blue's Clues. You get kids growing up seeing these symbols and being told to destroy and burn it down. And they will. They're not going to inherit the world. They're going to inherit an American pile of ash. China's going to be dancing all the way through. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. The system across the board seems to be falling apart, if you were to ask me. Now, I know you might not care about a New York mayoral race. I'm not super concerned about that either. What I'm concerned about is in cities like New York, they cut the looters loose for whatever reason. Regular people see their lives destroyed, get their insurance check and say, I ain't going to reopen here, which means crime will get worse in New York City. And it's a cascade effect, you see. With, if these businesses don't reopen in these neighborhoods, the neighborhoods will become poorer and poorer, and there will be less and less money. They won't be able to afford their rent. You will get much more crime and poverty, and then more and more people will leave. Now, it's kind of good in a lot of ways. These big cities are trash, and maybe these people will spread out and get influence from more responsible individuals. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe they overwhelm certain areas and turn red areas blue and then destroy those. Like some kind of vampire moving from city to city, extracting all the resources, voting for insane policies, and breaking everything. So what do we do to solve it? I don't know. I honestly don't. But I can tell you a couple things you can do to help at the very least. What what I mean to say is I don't know if there's a guaranteed solution. I can't tell you how to make this all stop and go away. I can tell you some things we need to do get involved in local politics. We need, if we, if we get a handful more states just to have Republican legislatures, then a convention of states is possible where the states can change the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, make amendments, dramatically change the rule of law in this country in many ways for the better if more people vote Republican at the state level. Now, again, not necessarily a fan of the Republican Party and not convinced they'll actually do anything, but It's better than just letting the Democrats run roughshod over the country, right? The other thing you can do is make culture. Write stories. Make YouTube channels. Start a vlog. Go skateboarding. Play music. Play card games. Make card games. Make music. Inspire young people. Inspire them to work hard. Be cool. And give them a place to hang out. Young people are looking for something to do. They're looking for something that will make them feel good and accomplished. This is why cults work. Cult ideology, brings a person in and then cheers for them and tells them how great they are. And it makes people feel good. They want to be a part of that. we're, We're humans. We're addicted to it. We need it. Well, there needs to be some kind of libertarian, conservative, moderate, individualist culture telling these kids how cool they are and inspiring them to do better. They need to see someone who goes up to this 20-stair handrail and does a kickflip backside tail slide while wearing a shirt with the Gadsden flag on it, or something like that. Or maybe Molan Labe or 2 a rights. Instead, they're getting a lot of the opposite. They're seeing ACAB. They're seeing F the police. They're seeing the, 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 the communist fist. And they want to fit in. So they write those things on their boards. They write those things on their bags. And their ideology spreads. Counter it. Politics is great. It's, it's an important thing to be involved in. But if you're not going to local board meetings, if you're not going to local PTA meetings, if you're not involved in extracurricular activities, I'll tell you who is. The woke and the far left. And they're going to erode that system until the crime erupts. Then they're going to blame you, blame the cops, and destroy the system. Because their goal is to destroy. And from the ashes of the old, they will build new. I've heard them say it. They want the system to break down. And it's working. When the crime becomes untenable, when the cities you can't even live in, people flee, they spread the destruction. Well, there are some things we can do to make a change. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The founder of a Democratic political action committee is under fire over some pretty awful tweets that resulted in him getting so much pressure, he deleted his own Twitter account. Pedro L. Gonzalez tweets, according to the founder of the award-winning Democracy Preservation Initiative, it is absolutely okay to drag white people out of their cars and execute them in front of their children. I'm sure these people will come around now that the Republican Party has gone woke, right? That's basically what he tweeted. And it has to do with a very uh, sad and horrifying story out of Chicago. But before I mention it, I want to point out this weekend had some pretty brutal moments in Oakland. There were some shooting uh, shootings at a Juneteenth celebration, and then people started jumping up and down on the on the ambulance, and they were twerking up against it, and this jams up the ambulance, obviously. But that, that, that's just that one story. You also had a Pride event where a vehicle crashed into a, a Pride parade, and uh, the the mayor of the town said that they were targeting. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Then it was an act of terror, and it turns out, guy's foot got stuck. It was it was an it was an accident. That's it. There's another story. Apparently, uh, people on the left, people like um, I think uh, who who was tweeting this? this is George Takei, saying that Republicans were mocking Joe Biden because his dog died. And I'm like, are is any one of this? Are any one of these stories true? What is wrong with these people? The first story, it, it, basically, this guy is saying. That if you are driving around a neighborhood as a white person trolling, then you should be should be executed. But let, let me show you the actual first story. It's a horrifying story from Fox 32 Chicago. Man killed in shooting in Humboldt Park was celebrating Puerto Rican Day Parade. Let me let me ask you something. When the uh, let, let me show you this story. And the, all right, we'll break this down. Newsweek reports Florida mayor criticized for calling LGBT parade accident terror attack before facts are known. Think about that for two seconds. In one, a man is celebrating Puerto Rican Day parade. He gets brutally beaten. Him and his, uh, his, his girlfriend, I believe, uh, shot and killed. The woman left for dead. In the Pride event, it's a car accident, and they say it's a terror attack. What, what about this guy? This, this was a guy who was, who was in a parade getting attacked. Oh, he was the bad guy. That's right. The tweet coming out of this Democratic pack is that he was the bad guy. That's the assumption they made. It's horrifying. It's a terrifying way that people think and live. Fox reports. Friends of a man murdered in Humboldt Park said he was shot while celebrating the Puerto Rican Day Parade Saturday night. Giovanni Arzuaga and Yasmin Perez were shot on the West Division Street on the northwest side around 9.15 p.m., hours after the parade had ended. My heart is destroyed. That was my best friend, my brother said Arzuaga's brother in a phone interview with Fox 32 News on Sunday night. Police said Perez and uh, Arzuaga were ambushed by three men. A Facebook video that was was allegedly of the shooting showed the victims being pulled pulled out or falling out of a car with a Puerto Rican flag. Arzuaga died, and police said that Perez was hospitalized in critical condition. A GoFundMe organized for the Arzuaga family funeral costs and Perez's medical care identified both victims. The organizer of the GoFundMe asked supporters to keep the couple's children in their prayers. Now, here's what this, uh, Here, let me, let me show you this. Democracy Preservation Initiative Award with AAPC Poly Award winner. Oh, that's great. Best new and unusual tactic. Leveraging values to identify and, and target persuadable voters. Bravo, good sirs, with your Julian Castro for Biden videos and your your Democrats. And here's what the guy said. The first thing this guy, Richard Tate, tweeted. I'm sorry, is that a Confederate flag they're flying from their car, trolling that neighborhood? Yeah, I don't give an ish, Ann, and you should have mentioned that. Because apparently Ann Coulter tweeted something he didn't like. Someone said, I think you owe Ann Coulter an apology. He said, well, I think it's a little, this is a little disingenuous, but okay, I got the flag wrong, but we're not talking about that, are we? The point is, had these people been white supremacists trolling a neighborhood primarily of color, I would have been agnostic. It was a horrible incident is what these people think. Now, I, for instance, think any act of killing is wrong, horrifying. And that brings up many serious ethical and moral conundrums around the life and choice arguments and war. But I can at least say this. People should not be dragged out of their car and beaten and shot and killed. I don't care who you are for whatever reason. Now, in the event that you are doing something extremely dangerous and posing a threat to people, self-defense exists. But people like this are the ones getting Democrats voted, and people like this are the ones running for office for Democrats. Now, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, I don't like Republicans either. They sit on their hands and they do nothing. They complain, they do nothing. I just love the sheer insanity, the lies, the duplicitousness of the Democrats. There was a tweet I saw from Kyle Kalinsky, and they were like, this exemplifies the Democrats so well. In Oregon, they finally got the chance to control redistricting and then gave it all up. There's this meme on the left that Democrats are somehow in a weakened position. The Democratic establishment and the left control all the cultural institutions, the universities. Now they have the House, the Senate, and the presidency. To act like they're doing nothing is absurd. When you look at the health care argument, you have Republicans saying, nah, I don't know. And you have Democrats saying, We demand a complete overhaul of the entire system, the banning of private health insurance. Okay, okay. That's the left. So the left complains that when they're screaming, Give us health care, give us universal health care, the Democratic establishment says, We're going to go for a public option, moving the whole thing to the left. The Republicans do literally nothing. But because the leftists expect everything and they're entitled, they're shocked and 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 angered by the fact that the Democrats only give them a little bit. Where the Republicans come out and say, I don't know, abolish the ATF or something. Oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said that. Republicans don't fight for much. They just say, slow down there. That's Mitch McConnell. Slow down there, Democrats. Oh, there's speed bumps for Democrats. When has a Republican come out and framed the narrative from a Republican perspective and made demands counter to the left. They don't do it. The left thinks they do, but they don't. And the left thinks they do because the Democrats are giving them a little bit of what they want. All you got to do is look at that meme where it's like they put Bernie Sanders as center left. It's like, bro, Bernie Sanders pushed a bill that would give 20% ownership of companies to employees. That's socialism. Literally it is literal socialism, when the workers control the means of production. Now, it's not 100%. He's not saying they'll get everything, but 20%. Hey, that's not center left. That's kind of far left. But isn't it funny how they frame it that way? Then when the Democrats propose something that's actually to the left, but not far left, the the, the leftists say, that's republicanism. Okay. This guy proud fa- father founder of the democracy preservation initiative verified on twitter well he deleted his account his account is now uh, gone this is this is what we get this is the horrifying reality that is these lunatics who who lie cheat and steal if this was a group of white people in chicago with a confederate flag he said he would have been agnostic and and and, and essentially implied they deserved it you know, maybe you should have mentioned that, Anne. This is the game they play and young people are really dumb and fall for it. And the reason is conservatives, too busy complaining, not busy doing. So I'll tell you this right now. Hey, go to timcast.com and become a member. Why? We are about to hire, uh, I believe we are literally hiring today, our mysteries and paranormal researcher and writer. We're going to be writing long-form articles about various unsolved phenomena and creepy stories. We're going to make a podcast about it. We're going to make books about it. We're going to make culture. Now, this may not be the most important cultural thing, but I think it's important because it's entertainment. It's not going to be political. So when we put out a podcast, you'll get a bunch of regular people who will start listening to a regular cultural podcast. They might come to the TimCast website for bonus content, and then they'll get exposed to centrist news. How about that? That's kind of the point. But long story short, culture in the lo- is, 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 a, is our long-term goal for a lot of reasons. You need young people to have fun and be inspired and want to be a part of the, of the crew, which means you need young people doing fun things and having access to cool things. So you want these young kids to be watching a video where, you know, we're going to be skateboarding and scooting, biking, rollerblading. And I just ordered these street skis, they're called. They're like long planks with wheels. Silly. It'll be fun. Maybe we'll get like a pro skier and see if they can actually, you know, hit the half pipe or something. These kids will watch videos like that, they'll see the Gadsden flag. And it'll help them associate ideas of freedom and liberty with fun and success. If young people are only ever going to be surrounded by other young people who are woke, they'll be woke desperately trying to fit in. We want to create an outlet for individualism. Let them choose whatever politics they want and they can come hang out and skate and watch these videos. Building culture is paramount right now. That's what we're doing at timcast.com. It's not, not, not necessarily intended to be a promo, but to make a point. How is it that all of these lies and manipulations keep working? Well, young people, impressionable, inexperienced, no memory of the past 10 years because they were little kids. So when Occupy Wall Street was going on, you had a bunch of 10 year olds. They're 20 now and they're voting but they don't know what went down in 2008. They don't know about the Federal Reserve and the banks. All they know is they turn on the TV and there's their, their favorite musician that all their friends told them to like. And they're saying like, yo, man, socialism's like it, dude. And they're like, cool, dude. And then when you get a 35 year old, you know, or a Ben Shapiro type, they're like, what a stodgy suit wearing dork. You look at Reddit. They, 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 they just lie all the time. Every single thing is a lie. Let me show you an example. I saw this on Reddit. Political Compass memes, shout out. You guys, absolutely phenomenal subreddit. So this is George Takei tweeted, Republicans are mocking Biden for showing grief over the loss of his dog. If you lose your dog but feel nothing, you might be a Republican. This is inundating people on Twitter, on Reddit. So you get these young people that start using Reddit and they read that and they go, <laughs> Republicans are dumb. And then here's, so the way political compass memes work is like, you know, it's a political compass. Authoritarian left has a bunch of people who are uh, um, unwell, who say, what? Biden's dog died? OMG, we, we need to use this as political propaganda somehow. Then they show 4chan and it says the first dog has died. Whether you like Biden or not, let's all take a moment to remember the first dog champ F to pay respects. Rip doggo. F, losing a dog is horrible and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Rip pup. What to say, is that the base doggo that bit the Fed boys? (laughs) If so, F, rest in peace, champ. And then it shows the right, the authoritarian right and the libertarian right, hugging, saying rip doggo. George Takei, with his high profile account, is claiming that Republicans are mocking Joe Biden for losing his dog. I saw that and I was like, there's no way a Republican is doing that. Okay, it may be some random account, some some mean people, sure. But I cannot see a circumstance in which any Republican of merit on any social platform is like, haha <laughs> laughing and giddy with joy. There may be a few, for sure. But the general consensus, I'd imagine, would be, man, that's a bummer. Plus, they're laughing because the doc kept biting feds. Come on. Yeah, the left makes it up. They just make it up. And then they try and convince... These young people that Republicans are evil. Take a look at this. Florida mayor criticized for calling LGBT parade accident terror attack before the facts were known. Why? That's the point. The lie travels halfway around the world before the truth can strap on his boots. As the saying goes, here's what y'all need to do. You guys need to build culture, make fun vlogs. Look at, uh, I'll, 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 I'll say this, Casey Neistat the godfather of modern vlogging. Before him, vlogging on YouTube was like somewhat their cell phone, like, yeah, I'm outside of John's house and we're going to go play Mario Kart or something. And then Casey started doing drone shots and cinematic stuff. He would walk into a room, put his camera down, turn it on, walk out of the room, and then walk back in to get a shot of him <laughs> entering the room to make it more cinematic. He endorsed Hillary Clinton. That's the problem. I think he, he came to later regret it, but that's the point. Where is the prominent high profile vlogger to come out and be like, yo, I don't care. You know, I'm voting for Donald Trump. You can't just have channels like this where I'm like, I complain about things and I'm upset and that's it. Why would a young person watch that? No, no, no. Think about it for a second. I do have m- many young viewers the, the the demographics for my channels are around 18 to 35 and the next biggest is, uh, you know, 30 or 18 to 34, 35 to 54 or whatever. But think about this. Uh, let me, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I was eating dinner with some family, and there was like a 12-year-old, uh, my, uh, what would it be, my second cousin? I don't know. My, my cousin's kid was like um, 12 or so, probably getting age wrong. Don't get mad at me. And she was talking about how she hated news. And news is stupid. And I said, I can make you understand and care about news. And they, they, my, you know, my family laughed. They're like, no, you can't. She's you know, a young girl. She doesn't care about this stuff. And I said, news is just the stuff that's affecting your life. So I'll put it this way. Um, you, the most important stuff to you in your world is like your classmates and you know, your friends, right now, what is there? Is there someone in your class you don't like you think is really mean and nasty? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, now imagine if that person was voted in charge and allowed to make all the rules. Wouldn't that bother you? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, and wouldn't you want to tell people about it and talk about it? Yeah. I'm like, that's what news is. Young people don't know about who George W. Bush is in the war in Iraq, and they don't care about Joe Biden. So when 10-year-olds don't experience Occupy Wall Street, and now they're entering their adulthood into a culture of Republicans are so dumb, what? And celebrities all laughing and saying Republicans are dumb. They're, they're laughing and high-fiving each other, not knowing anything about what they're talking about. Now, Republicans are pretty dumb, don't get me wrong, but it's like the mass propagandizing. Saying it's like, okay, you know, what happened in in, in Chicago if it was a white guy is just like absolutely wrong. But they're getting young people through culture. They're not putting on a video where they're like, in today's news, President Joe Biden launched missiles into Syria. And that is whack, yo. Because no young person is like, let me turn on to see about what Joe Biden did in foreign policy. They're like, hey, I want to watch Ariana Grande dance with James Corden for whatever reason. And there's a big old Fauci face. Ariana Grande, celebrity, music, pop culture, kids love it. So they go on Reddit and there's just endless memes about how stupid and evil conservatives are. Now, here's the best part. It used to be the Donald on Reddit during in the past uh, several years until Reddit banned and removed them, citing a whole bunch of fake nonsense, saying that they were violent or some other garbage. But now it's dominated by the left. Very clearly, as uh, the CEO of Reddit said, you know, they could swing an election if they wanted to. Now they are. They're making sure that young people are indoctrinated through culture to believe that the right is all dumb and wrong. For instance, there was a uh, there's there's always a bunch of fake tweets from Ben Shapiro because they need people to have a negative view of Ben Shapiro. And there's always a bunch of out of context tweets from Ben Shapiro or purposefully misunderstood. So there was like there's like one post about critical race theory I saw that was actually making fun of critical race theory, pretending to be history, and they just post it, to reclaim it, and then change the context of it, saying it was mocking those who believed <clears throat> that school a critical race theory. It's clever. It's smart. So here's what they do. As you know, they, they take tons of clips out of context from my show. And then there was this guy who's a COD gamer. He was like, Duh, Tim Poole created an election map that showed Trump winning 49 states. Like, I tweeted him. I was like, I never did that. I never did that. I did have a bunch of hypotheticals about like, man, if these riots keep up and people keep smashing windows, that Trump could, could get a 49 state landslide or something like that. Or I'd say like if Trump appointed Tulsi Gabbard to national security and like Yang to economic visor, legalized pot, 49 state landslide, because then he's, he's going to get all the Democrats. Based on a bunch of circumstantial uh, incidents, I'd say something like Trump landslide, baby, but also understanding that a lot of it is meant to be, it's figurative, you know what I mean? It's like it's like suggesting Trump's going to win overwhelmingly. Not that I literally think it. But this guy sees all the grifter posts. That's the point. It's meme manipulation. Now, the Donald and now patriots.win used to be very very good at it, but they got quarantined, literally, and even to this day they are quarantined. Patriots.win is an isolated website that only survives by people mentioning them. Well, they've become, in, in my opinion, less and less relevant. The Donald used to be, on Reddit, one of the top progenitors of memes on the Internet. So they purged it. They, did, they got rid of it. They then moved over to the Donald.win. And then after Donald Trump lost the election, changed it to patriots.win. Now it seems to be just... It, it, there's much, much less memes, much, much less interaction and engagement. I think the site's doing really, really well. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I mean, when it was the Donald, it was like the number two, I think, 4chan, uh, politically incorrect being the number one. The, the tech giants, the, they, they understood what they had to do. So what they do is they don't want to just eliminate outright. That could create serious problems. They've done it in the past. It doesn't seem to work. So they segment and then quarantine. So for instance, like a channel like mine right now, a lot of people are like, wow, Tim's channel sure does really well. And you know, oh, that's really great. And Tim will never get banned. My Facebook, so we have two Facebooks that have now been rejected for monetization. One was forcibly removed. They, they may review it and give it to us back. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But on YouTube, people keep saying, hey, I'm not getting notifications for your channel anymore, Tim. YouTube's not letting me know your channel exists anymore, Tim. Yeah, because listen, if my channel is like milk toast moderate. And they still want to get rid of it because I'm saying things like this. They don't ban it outright. That would create a huge splash, which could help me launch a website or do more. It would allow me to expand in other areas. Plus, my podcast exists, two of them. So they do it slowly slowly excising and making sure you can't grow. And if you look, culture war, non-political channels still do well. Now, obviously, people don't care about politics as much right now. So that's an obvious answer as to why that would be. But you may have noticed you're not getting notifications for my videos anymore. I recognize that. It's why we launched TimCast.com. It's why we're doing Cast Castle. It's why we're doing the vlog. It's why we're hiring people and expanding. If we want to cut through this, these lies, by the way, the, 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 The car accident was literally, at the Pride event, just a car accident. If we want to cut through the lies, if we want to win, we can't just complain about what the left is doing. We have to actually do things. So that's what I'm doing. And The Daily Wire is, too. They made movies. They're doing more. The Daily Wire is mostly just like a talk radio network, which means if you're already involved in politics, you're interested. But how do you initiate someone into politics? Well, you need to get them asking questions about certain issues. So when we do the Cast Castle vlogs, we make side jokes about culture war issues. That's important stuff. That's the stuff that's going to get a young person who's interested in adventure and fun and exploration and discovery to start seeing other content. I saw a video posted by, I think it was posted by the Barracks, one of the biggest skateboarding uh, websites, if not the, in the world. And this guy did what's called a front side flip. It's where you jump, spin 180 degrees, and the board flips under you. And his board had a cab spray painted on it. I see a lot of videos from skateboarders where they physically fight security guards. These are really, really bad things. It was about, uh, it was a few years ago, a security guard was trying to stop some skateboarders at a famous spot in San Francisco, and someone punched him. He fell back, hit his head, and got severe brain damage and is now, I, th- I think he's, uh, he was uh, in critical condition, like completely comatose, massive brain surgery, and uh, the skater got arrested for it. But these posts on Instagram glorify getting into fights with security guards. I've never been a fan. You, you blow the spot. There have been tons of spots that we were in, in Chicago, places to skate, right? Urban environment stuff. Usually you're not supposed to be there. There was one, what do we call it? I can't remember what it was called, but it was a loading dock. And then there was a railing so you could jump over the railing. Security guards would show up and yell at us and we would apologize and leave. That way there's never a fight and you can just come back later, right? Well, some kids decided after the security guard yelled at them to smash out all the windows and ran. And that's when they came in and put up barriers and put up tape around everything. That was it. They destroyed the spot. So I look at these things from skateboarders and what do they say? They say fight with security guards. They, they glorify. They get views from it. They, they glorify confrontation. They show a kid skating with a cab on his board. I think these things are really, really bad. So we have to make content that challenges that. There are a lot of pro skateboarders that are absolutely anti-woke, though, so don't get me wrong. Actually, I think the barracks are pretty smart and moderate individuals. Steve Bear, uh, for instance, you know, he, he's posted things and he's a fairly uh, rational and smart guy, but politics isn't his realm. I'm not criticizing the barracks. I'm just saying there was a skateboarder at A ACAB. So we need to make sure that we counter that with equal and opposite cultural, uh, you know, actions. I don't expect any skateboarder to ever have spray painted on their board back the blue, nor would I support that either. But There is a skateboarder who's got a big Gadsden flag for his mini ramp. And when he skates, you can see the Gadsden flag. That's what we need. That's how you cut through the lies. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Over in Seattle, a Pride event is being organized, but this event is explicitly for Non-white individuals. If white people would like to attend, they must be white allies or accomplices, and they will be charged a reparation fee of ten to fifty dollars. Now, this seems to fly in the face of the law in Seattle. You're not allowed to discriminate on the basis of race like this, or charge different amounts of money based on someone's race. But uh, that's exactly what's happening, and it seems like no one's going to stop them. When reach, when when so, uh, a group reached out to the Seattle Human Rights Commission. This commission just said, no, we think this is totally fine, and you need to understand historical context. So this is the future that the woke left wants, racial segregation. And I genuinely believe they actually want more white nationalism. I'm not exaggerating. You might think, Tim, you're being silly. They're just trying to help poor people. And and I'll, I'll say this, share this story with your friends. Let them see this, because what I'm about to show next will be enlightening for many of these people. Okay, so, so you may be arguing right now, this Tim is crazy, he's lying, what a, what, a, what a jerk, out of context, they're just trying to help non-white individuals. How about this? From the Washington Post, what is white racial identity and why is it important? Why is white racial identity important? Huh, you'd imagine that these people would not want Klan members and the alt-right gaining in numbers, yet for some reason... They're advocating for it now. Now, of course, the argument for many on the left is having white people wake up to their racial identity means that they will just give up all of the things they own and, and abandon white privilege and things like that. I just gotta say one thing to you. If you are someone on the left or a Democrat, you're not exposed to a lot of the news I'm gonna be showing you now. Let me just ask you one simple question. If you truly believe that white people are colonizers who steal, And have conquered and taken and all of those things they've said. If you really believe that, then let me ask you this. If you take a group of white people and put them through a training course which triggers a white racial awakening, do you think they'll become more racist or less racist? And why? Sorry, I I, I think if you follow this ideology, the conclusion is simple. You can't go around claiming that white people have privilege, are historically oppressors, are oppressors today, and you want them to form white racial identity groups. Because based on your own arguments, they will just end up like having clan rallies. Isn't that weird? Again, maybe, maybe you know this stuff, maybe you're just experiencing experiencing for the first time, but share this because I would genuinely like someone to answer that question. So if you are on the left or you believe in critical race theory and all that stuff, please comment. Explain to me why white racial identity is a good thing. More importantly, why you think white people as historical oppressors and colonizers would just wake up to their identity, form race-based groups, and then say, but we're going to do it at our own detriment. I'd have to imagine they'd say, "Hey, how about we colonize more?" right? Well, let's let's read about what's going on over in Seattle from timcast.com. Make sure you go become a member help support our fierce journalism. We're bringing on our mysteries and paranormal writer, uh, I believe, today. So we're going to have long-form articles that are just about travel, the unknown, mystery, UFOs, all that fun stuff, Uh, not just news and politics and culture. So I I guess that is cultural, but uh, we'll have that as well. But uh, go to TimCast.com. Here's the story. Seattle Pride event to charge reparations fee to white allies by Cassandra Fairbanks, who writes, a Seattle Pride event that is supported by the city will be charging a reparation fee to white allies who wish to attend. People of color may attend for free. Seattle City Council President and Mayoral Candidate Lorena Gomez, I'm sorry, Lorena Gonzalez, and the Seattle Human Rights Commission are supporting the event according to a report from KTTH. Organizers of the event, taking black pride, say that white allies and accomplices must pay the reparations fee. It is not optional. The stated goal of the event is to amplify the voices, narratives, and contributions of black, queer, and trans voices. White people who attend will be charged on a sliding scale of 10 to $50, depending on their ability to pay. All are free to attend. However, this is a black and brown, queer, trans-centered, prioritized, valued event. White allies and accomplices are welcome to attend, but will be charged a 10 to $50 reparation fee that will be used to keep this event free of cost for black and brown, trans, and queer community. The Facebook page for the event states, the event will be held in Jimi Hendrix Park, which is owned and operated by the city of Seattle. This raises questions about the legality of a reparations fee, KTDH noticed. Noted, critics question whether race-based admission fees are appropriate. Seattle Municipal Code clearly prohibits racial discrimination, but organizers have pushed back, calling criticism of their admission structure casual violence. Bravo. Excellent. Excellent. Seattle Parks and Recreation explicitly prohibits racial discrimination in their parks. Whether or not the organizers have a permit for the event, quote, it is unlawful for any person occupying or using any park or recreation facility for any event, activity or exhibition open to the public, whether or not under a permit and whether or not an admission or entrance fee is charged to deny to any other person the full use and enjoyment of such a park and recreation facility because of race. To put it mildly, you could simply walk in and say, I'm not here for your event out of my way. You can't keep me out based on race. Seattle's Capital Pride event, who banned members of law enforcement from participating in their own parade, has condemned and called into question the the legality of the reparation system. While the violations seem pretty clear, the Seattle Human Rights Commission is defending the organizer's decision, saying, quote, Black, trans, and queer peoples peoples are among the most marginalized and persecuted people within the LGBTQIA2S plus community. The commission wrote, They often face shame, not only from the cis heteronormative community, but within the queer community at large as well. In making the event free for the black queer community, the organizers of this event are extending a courtesy so rarely extended by providing a free and safe space to express joy, share story, and be in community. Seattle City Council President and mayoral candidate Lorena Gonzalez was so offended by Capitol Hill Pride speaking out against the reparations that she canceled her speech at their event, quote, After a year that has taken an unbelievable toll on all of our communities, I was looking forward to this opportunity to celebrate pride in person. However, I simply cannot support an organization that is trying to stop black people in the LGBTQ community from celebrating pride in the manner that they choose. You see how they do this. Please explain this to your friends and family who don't believe this stuff is happening. Wake up. They don't want to, though. I have friends and family who are like, that's not true. I don't want to hear it. You're lying. Don't make me believe it. What, what happened? It's a lie. Capitol Hill Pride is upset because there is a racially segregated event happening. Okay, I know. Now you're saying that's not segregation. They're not making white and black people separate from each other. You just, you just have to pay money. Would you accept a situation where they were like, um, if you want to vote, then uh, it's 10 or 50 bucks for those who want to vote. How about this? What if they said you can vote for free, but if you're a certain race, it's 10 to $50. You'd say, no, of course not. But men in the left would say, well, it depends on the race. Would you consider it a, a, a Jim Crow era law or some kind of segregation policy when you put pressure on one group to make it harder for them to interact? Now, overt segregation, as we've seen in the past, is like, here's a room for one race, here's a room for another. But this is the open door to segregation by doing this. You can come in, but it costs you 50 bucks. You can come in for free. What happens? Very large quantities of of people come in for free, and very small quantities of the other, uh, other group come in because they can't afford it. This is why people were so outraged by the poll tax. The idea was, if you charge money to vote, poor black people won't be able to wasn't that racist. Now, what is this? They say it's anti-racist discrimination. You see, they want to implement the same policies that will bring about the same results. (laughs) And That's it. (laughs) The idea is like, but it makes it free for black and brown people. The end result was segregation, was hatred between peoples, was fighting. Somebody would walk into a restaurant, they'd pour a milkshake on their head. We don't want people separated. Or othered, we want them brought together to shake hands. I'm not so confident that we're going to find that future if the woke keep getting their way. But I'm more concerned about this. It seems that, and I think I, th- I think what's happening here. Look at this, the Washington Post. What is white racial identity, and why is it important? It's important. Okay, let's answer that question first. They're, what they're saying is white people need to recognize that they are white, see race and then atone for their past crimes, blah, blah, blah. You know what Slav is? Slavs, like Eastern Europeans? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same word as slave. So there are certainly people who are white-skinned with blonde hair and blue eyes who are considered to be not white by some of these woke individuals. It makes no sense. They're just talking about some kind of domination or dominant group or majority, but it ignores the fact that there's way more ethnically Chinese people. Answer that. Are they talking only about America? But what is, in their mind, they want you to atone. What will really happen? Well, in my experience, uh, um, going to political events and talking to people, you get the rise of the alt-right. Many prominent alt-right individuals were saying things like they were tired of being smeared, attacked, and insulted just for being white. So what happened? They went and formed white racial identity groups. It was called the alt-right for the most part, they've kind of fizzled out. And now it seems like they're trying really hard to, to reinvigorate reinvig- it. Why? Well, I think they need a boogeyman. I think they need some kind of villain to justify why they exist and why their anti-racist discrimination for some reason is good. But let me just explain something to you. Racist discrimination and anti-racist discrimination are the exact same thing. There's subtle differences, sure, and depending on like who gets charged and where. But the idea is still the same. Make it harder for groups to come together, period. One group of people doesn't like another group. There you go. This is the world that we get. Eric Weinstein had a very, very interesting thread. You may know him, uh, the brother of Brett Weinstein, and also an intellectual dark web figure unto himself who coined the term. He said, hyper unpopular view. I don't think a single person on earth believes woke ideology. I think he's right. I 100% agree. With Eric Weinstein on this. And I talked about it on an episode of the Tim Castarell podcast. We had uh, Emma, uh, M- Emma, Joe Morris and Libby Emmons on the show. And Libby was saying these, these people are true believers. And I said, no, 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 they're not. The woke are not true believers because it's impossible to believe two contradictory ideas at the same time. You can't simultaneously say, I believe the sky is blue and I believe the sky is green at the same time. You don't actually believe either, either of those things because you're saying contradictory things. Let me show you what he said. Eric Weinstein says, any soul who truly identifies as an eagle would be instantly eliminated by testing the hypothesis. A person who believed that two, (laughs) is he saying if they jumped off a building? A person who believed that two plus two equals five would be unable to file taxes. Get woke, go broke is nowhere near extreme enough. Truly believing in wokeness would get you jailed or killed. Yes, to be fair, though, I'll push back a little bit. Who really identifies as an eagle? I mean, honestly, I mean, there are some people, but that's not woke necessarily. This self-identification stuff kind of is. I mean, there are other kin and there are people who believe they're animals. But we're talking mostly about humans who identify as like a different kind of human, be it like gender or race. Now, there is a, a, a very interesting hypothesis to test. Rachel Dolezal, Sean King. You take these people and you put them in Black Lives Matter and guess what happens? <laughs> One gets struck down, one gets propped up. Don't ask me why. I don't know. The two plus two equals five thing, a much better example. Now, I can already hear many of the uninitiated. So, so maybe you were a fan of, of my show and you shared this, or you're showing this video to someone on the left or someone in your family. They're saying no one believes two plus two equals five. That's, that's insane. The only thing I can really say to that is that Eric Weinstein is a mathematician We have people like James Lindsay, also a PhD mathematician. I think Eric Weinstein is as well. I'm not entirely sure. These are very, very intelligent individuals who know math. And there has been a big push from many prominent scientists and mathematicians to claim two plus two can equal five. It can't. What they're doing is they're making a manipulative semantic argument. They're arguing that because in some circumstances there are numbers that don't function the same way as integers, you can say two plus two equals five. You can't. They argue, okay, what if you have two point four plus two point four? If you round down two point, if you if you round two point four, you get two, and two plus two equals four but 2.4 plus 2.4 is 4.8. Ah, and then if you round, you get five. You see how that works? Right. And that's why math created decimal points and fractions to explain specifics. The joke I made on the IRL podcast the other day was, how about we take everybody who believes in wokeness, we put them on the the, 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 the first ever ship tour, space tourism ship, and then we alter all calculations of 2 plus 2 equaling 4 to 2 plus 2 equaling 5. Do you think they would get on that rocket ship? No, they wouldn't. It'd probably blow up with them in it. Eric Weinstein takes a lighter approach and says they wouldn't be able to file taxes. That's technically the truth. But maybe they do, and it's riddled with errors. They really do say that 2 plus 2 can equal 5 with semantic arguments. So it's, 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 it's really beyond get woke, bro- go broke. I agree. He says, my hypothesis is that every single soul espousing wokeness, critical theory, etc., is doing so disingenu- disingenuously and without exception. That is why it can't be defeated by reason. Wokeness is reveling in the idea that it makes no sense. The only ones believing it are the ones fighting it. Further, this is why inclusion is at its core a strategy. Because the remedy for wokeness, wasting the energy of the developed world by boring us to death, is to exclude it, not on the basis of its being wrong, but because the saboteur must always be excluded from civic life. He was going to say, let me give other positions so extreme that they are prima facie disingenuous. Crypto, toxic Bitcoin maximalism, not a fan of the hardcore Bitcoin maximalists. And I've had conversations with some. I'm a big fan of Max Kaiser. He doesn't get as bad, but he is pretty. He, he is pretty close. Hyper conservatives. We need a strong defense in a dangerous world, but also all taxes theft, etc. All of these are parasitic on someone else being the adult. I think Eric Weinstein is correct. I think that it is true that no one actually believes wokeness. What they really believe is that there are, are, are there's there's a, there's tribal signifiers. And if you say two plus two equals five, what you're really saying is I'm in your tribe. This is exemplified by people like David Hogg saying, I don't want to take off my mask because people will think I'm a conservative. I walk around without a mask on right now, like it's over. There's no lockdowns where I'm at. No one cares. No one says anything. I go into areas with big pride flags. No one's wearing a mask. So who are these wackos who are like, I don't want people to think I'm a Republican it's tribalism. They just want to fit in and they want their collective to share resources or provide resources or just not ostracize them. I had a crazy story recently that somebody was having a talk with a bunch of their friends and family about, uh, you know, wokeness and what's going on. And like someone apparently broke down crying because they said they, they said they genuinely thought they were on the right side of history. I believe it. I know a lot of people who just think, that following CNN and MSNBC is the right side of history, but they never stopped to actually ask, is what's being said true? Eventually, we come to a fork in the road. The path on one side walks off a cliff, and the path on the other just keeps on going. To where? I'm not entirely sure, but I like to imagine that off in the distance, I can see some spaceships or something. Well, at a certain point, Somebody decided to lead all, all these people on the left down this path that leads towards the edge of a cliff. And that's where they went, towards the edge of a cliff. Some people started to wake up and realize that if they kept going this direction, they'd fall off. Many of them didn't, and they fell off the cliff. CNN fell off the cliff, MSNBC fell off the cliff, and there's no way back. Or at least I should say they're dangling from it, because maybe there's an opportunity for them to turn, for them to turn things around. But CNN MSNBC and many of these woke pundits have dedicated so much to this idea, they can't stop. If they stop, people would be like, everything you've said is a lie. You're changing your mind. That's right. It happens with Joy Reid. Look at this one. Joy Reid slams critical race theory opponent Chris Rufo's offer of a debate as a white man demand, despite trashing him on her show. Yet yeah, Joy Reid is, is genuinely terrified. I, I, really, I really do mean this. I'm not here to insult her. I think she actually, here, here, I want to say this, and I mean this 100% literally. I, so Joy Reid on her MSNBC show rags on Christopher Rufo, who is probably one of the foremost experts on critical race theory, challenging it. Eventually, he tweets, you know, she hasn't had the courage to invite me on the show as a guest. I think when he said that, Joy Reid probably got an adrenaline rush, sweating bullets. Her heart started racing, realizing that Christopher Rufo would actually go on her show and challenge her. And what would happen if he did? She doesn't believe anything she says. She's just saying it. Like Eric Weinstein said, she wouldn't be able to do her taxes if she actually believed two plus two could equal five. What is she going to do? I think it equals five this time, but not this time. Semantic arguments. The IRS comes knocking. You're like, actually, two plus two can equal five. No, of course she doesn't believe that. Of course these people don't. So I think she genuinely got fear in the pit of her belly at the idea of Christopher Rufo being on her show. Now, there, there, may, there are many smart arguments, and, and there's many pieces in critical race theory that make sense, and that's on purpose. And maybe be, it's, it's part of the, uh, you know, people actually started looking at real problems and turned it into wingnut conspiracy garbage. The point is, there could be an excellent debate between Christopher Rufo and any one of these identitarians like Joy Ann Reed, but I don't think she actually believes what she's saying. I'll show you. I'll show you an example. Let's see if I can. I can pull this one up. There's Weinstein. There's a. The, there's the the Marxist fist for Juneteenth, and then we have this. Sarah Kendazor. she is a uh, PhD writer. She's a podcast host. I believe she's written articles for News outlets. She said, critical. She said, but critical race theory is not what's being taught or banned in schools. Basic historical facts, especially about topics like slavery, Jim Crow, genocides of Native Americans is what the GOP want banned, and they call it critical race theory to make it sound intimidating. No, it isn't. When you look at the actual bills, they say things like, you can't uh, 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 tell people to hate their country. You can't disparage people on the basis of race. You can't push the 1619 project, which is factually inaccurate. Teaching critical race theory, this is the problem I have with the phrase, means actually bringing up the prominent authors, which I've mentioned several times you know Kimberly Crenshaw, Derek Bell, etc. and then the more modern ones Robin D'Angelo, uh, Robin D'Angelo and Ibram X Kendi. They're not teaching the writings of these people. They're teaching the they're, they're applying the theory to their teachings. It's applied racial theory. So here's what I responded with. Claiming that identitarianism is just teaching history. Critical race theory is not history. They know it and they're lying. Identitarians like Sarah Kenzier are working hard to reverse civil rights in this country. Let me explain. People like Sarah come out and they say the Republicans just want to ban the real teaching of history and call it critical race theory. The things that are being banned are identitarianism, that is identity based politics and government. That's what's being banned. What Sarah does is claim the GOP is calling history critical race theory. This is a kind of poisoning the well where someone then sees Christopher Rufo or anyone say critical race theory. they, They immediately think history. What Christopher Rufo and many others are talking about is more akin to identitarianism. Talking about white privilege, saying Asians, you know, sh- uh, there's specifically affirmative action, right? Where they've said, if you're Asian, you need to score higher on the SATs to go to school. Quite literally, what they're saying is if you look too much like that person, you shouldn't be allowed. It should be harder for you to go to this college, which makes no sense. Unless, of course, the left are race realists and they think Asians, regardless of how they're raised or where they're raised all share the same privilege, that makes no sense. Why assume that everyone simply on on their race share some kind of common function that must, ah, and there it is. Sarah, Kenzier, and many others who are saying this, they're identitarians. They believe almost the exact same thing as the alt-right, the difference being which race they want to benefit from their policies. Ultimately, though, I think they're all the same. Telling a bunch of white people to form a white racial identity group, in my opinion, just benefits the alt-right and white people. So when they do this, it sounds like they're just alt-right. That's it. Literally, that's it. That's what they're doing. The result? Policies like a pride event that segregates by putting financial pressure on people so they can't actually attend. You then get a predominantly black, uh, non-white or non-white event. That's how you pressurize segregation without doing it overtly. You got to watch out for this stuff. This is overt identitarianism. I'm not a fan of it, but the left is pushing it and they're winning. So share this, share with your friends, become a member at timcast.com, help support our work. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then.